Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 67 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen, who is well past his jet lag now. He got back from Dubai just in time for a 20-degree drop in temperature. I think they're calling this the polar vortex or something <laughs> that has hit most of the United States. It's pretty cold where you are, unless you're in uh, California or Miami or Texas or something. I think everybody else got kind of creamed with this. Uh, you have to give it to those weathermen, you know, the verbal packaging, the vortex, the polar, the death ice grip, whatever they call it. They're pretty good at their verbal packaging and getting people to watch the weather. But I think across the nation, it's dropped considerably. And hate to, to break the news, but I think winter's coming. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. 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 So we'll need to do our podcast from the Virgin Islands in the next uh, couple months. Just make sure that we uh, get that warm sun on us during the winter. I'll book the tickets when we're done recording today. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, like... <laughs> it sounds like a plan. I took my wife up to Park City, Utah over the weekend, and it was cold up there. We, It was a, a pretty swanky hotel that we went to. She deserved it. She's home with the kids most of the time. So, you know, somebody else making her bed and all that kind of stuff. That's just amazing. So, And not to mention the points that you get. They got plenty of them. So (laughs) they have a heated pool deck, right? And the pool is heated to 80 degrees year-round. The hot tub is heated. And it looks so great, but it was snowing in Park City. And we thought, hey, let's go out there. And we looked at the temperature, and it was 3 degrees. So (laughs) that was just not going to happen. See, when your toes are warm from the heated deck, it really doesn't matter for the rest of your body when it's 3 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> probably but you see that on your phone that it's three degrees and you're thinking i'm not getting in the hot tub yeah it's just too much that's that's yeah. gold that is we gold. yeah yeah we went and saw that movie interstellar with matthew mcconaughey oh heard good things my son saw that he was at edge of your seat for was it two and a half hours almost it like three hours it's pretty intense and i i got to admit i didn't follow all of it i felt more like i should have been in dumb and dumber too that that was more my speed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to go over here. This is too much for me to think about. Yeah, this Let's is like just... <laughs> fifth dimension and and interstellar stellar space travel. I was thinking, you know, I'd need a joke about a fart or something. <laughs> well, sometimes you want to go to the movies, you're like, no, I don't want to think that much. Just entertain me, please. please. Yeah, That's yeah. too much. I didn't pay to think. Just entertain me. <laughs> it makes you think, though, It uh, and really uh, about Earth. Could mankind really make it somewhere else? And I thought it was uh, pretty well done, not super cheesy like some of the sci-fi stuff. My wife is anti-sci-fi, and, and she was okay with this. So there you go. Good stuff. Hey, put it on the list. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then go see Dumb and Dumber 2 to bring yourself back down level with where you were. <laughs> That's right. See him a double feature, and yeah, you might lose a few brain cells along the way, but you'll have fun. There you go. There you go. So we are here to add to your brain cells and make them more powerful. I don't know if you can actually add to brain cells. That'd be cool. That'd be that cool. would be good. I think you'd make some money if you figured that one out. That would be good. Yeah, absolutely. You'd be on the top of the list with that one. <laughs> I think you'd make some cash on the side. Yeah. So today we are going to talk about a couple of very interesting things because we see sales get lost so many times due to what we call the itch. Mm. Mm. And let's let it hang out there mysteriously. And we'll get to it in just a second, because we do have a geeky article moment. Cue Urkel. Go, Urkel. 
That's right, a geeky article moment brought to you by me. I'm in charge of the geeky article moment today. So I thought about this the other day. My brother works for an unnamed large financial institution, and the stories of useless bureaucracy that he tells me are just mind-blowing about the kinds of things that they have to do. If you've seen that movie Office Space where the main character has to turn in his TPS reports and the whole movie is about that and how he's just going to go insane if he has to do it again. That's where my brother works. It's basically he's got to turn in his TPS reports. I love that in the movie they never clarified what TPS reports are, yet everybody just seems to relate to it. <laughs> Everyone has some type of TPS report. You're like, really? Waste of my time, but you have to do it every week. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we ought to get a clip from that movie to play on the show when we talk about this kind of uh, bureaucratic just workplace nonsense. <laughs> well, I was just noticing the other day, the remember the office linebacker, Terry Tate? Yeah, yeah, the anyway, office motivator. There's a spot in there where he tackled someone and says, you didn't put your thing on your TPS report. So it gets <laughs> carried through from the movie The Office to <laughs> Terry Tate. If you haven't watched it, Google Terry Tate office linebacker. It's funny on YouTube. It's a part of our culture now, TPS reports. And if it any is. of the listeners know what a TPS report actually is, please go ahead and email <laughs> us at maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com. If you know what our email address yeah, is, like tell me to that too. Let us yeah. know. Or make or whoever makes up the best thing, that could work too. Yeah, yeah. We have no way of knowing. You could totally <laughs> make <true>. up something. <laughs> and we'll just put it on the show. And that's that's the extent of our due diligence, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so this article is called How to Motivate Yourself When Your Boss Doesn't. And I think anybody that works at a company understands that. Now I had this interesting problem this morning because I told you I was on vacation and I was telling you before the call, Kurt, that I came back just not wanting to do anything at all, right? It was time to work on Monday morning and I just had no motivation. So that's kind of an interesting twist on this. How to motivate yourself when your boss doesn't, but what if you're your own boss? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so That could be a challenge. And that's the thing about being your own boss. You can't wait for someone else to motivate you. It's got to be you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So there are a couple of do's and don'ts that you should keep in mind according to this article, which was uh, posted on the Harvard Business Review. Do determine your own personal and professional motivators. You can't rely on your boss to get ahead. Do ask for feedback from your colleagues. And do build a support system inside and outside of your company. Those are the keys. And then the don'ts. Don't set unreachable goals that stall your sense of moving forward. Keep your goals manageable and celebrate your progress along the way. Don't underestimate the value of self-evaluation. Look critically at your own work and don't dwell on your mistakes. It's important to keep learning. So there you go. And I think most bosses, uh, they don't motivate their employees. And if they do, it's not. it's more like fear, gun to the head type motivation, isn't it? Yeah, that's the big challenge, too, and the research shows, too, that most managers think, well, the money, I'm paying them, that's their motivation, they have to do what I'm asking them to do, because the money, and money does motivate us, but it's like number six on the list as far as being part of a team, being included, all the things that we really don't think about, but those are some great points as far as motivating yourself, because regardless of your boss, your situation, if you're self-employed, at some point you're going to have to motivate yourself and stay motivated because if you're waiting for someone else to motivate you every day, uh, you're going to be waiting a long time and it's going to dramatically affect your income. You, you would know this better than I would. Aren't there a ton of studies out there that show that it's not the money, it's more of the appreciation and some of those things that are done that make somebody stick around? 
Oh, yeah, the appreciation, the praise, being a part, like I mentioned, part of that team, working towards a common goal, a vision, excitement. All that's a huge part of motivation. And again, a lot of managers, oh, it's the money, it's the money. No, it's like money's like six or seven on the list, but they all assume that, well, we're paid them, that's good enough. They're motivated. Yeah, I think a lot of times money is the one that gets the rap. Right. When when the person is working in a toxic work environment and they decide that they want to leave, well, they're not paying me enough. And I think that that might be true to a degree. If you if you had an environment, a work environment that was totally toxic, you worked with a bunch of morons, your boss was an idiot. (laughs) Right. That commands a high price in the market (laughs) to have to put up with that kind of stuff. Does You have to pay a pretty penny to put up with that things. And, And the studies also show that people are willing to take less money to be part of that team, to be part of the organization where you feel good because a lot of times life's too short to go to work and have other people suck the life and energy and have your soul rush from the inside out even though it's a lot of money sometimes it's not worth it with the ulcers and the heart attacks and all the other things that come along with working in an environment like that yeah i have a relative like that where he's been with the same company for i think 40 years and that's not very common these days as you know and this is one of those textbook golden handcuff jobs where he was one that I won't say he got lucky. He's a smart guy. But a lot of people, they commit to the company. They think, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to keep the company in mind first. And they're going to take care of me. And I'm going to retire with my golden parachute. And that's not really happening anymore to most people. Some people still get it. And you can just see it on his face. They pay him a lot of money. He's very high up in a, in a national company now. He makes a lot of money. But the look on his face is... <clears throat> They're paying me one penny more than necessary for me to bail out of here. (laughs) And I am just running out the clock. That's the look that he's got on his face. And I just thought it would be kind of funny if somehow employers and people who conduct job interviews had to be totally transparent. And they say, okay, here are your responsibilities at this job. You need to manage this team and you need to do your TPS reports and you need to do this. And then if they had to go beyond that and say, and I'm a big idiot and you have to put up with me. And <laughs> Sally over in in accounting is totally incompetent. So you're going to have to deal with that. And like tell the true yeah. cost of mental capital you have to devote to the job. <laughs> oh, and he's going to suck the life out of you. And she's going to pop in every hour. He's incompetent and is going to ask you how to do things two or three times a day. Yeah, that would be kind of full disclosure would be interesting if you take the job or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because then you could say, well, you're offering 100000 a year. Uh, based on some of these other soft mental costs, I'm going to need at least 125 <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Up the ante. Yeah. Take note, (laughs) HR uh, reps across the world. So that's how it needs to be done now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's the geeky article moment for the day. Want to remind everybody, go to universityofpersuasion.com. That's where we have our full 52-week program where in just a few minutes every week, you can add more and more persuasion, influence, and negotiation skills to your quiver of skills. Because remember, It's just that one extra technique added here and there that makes the difference in getting this deal or not getting it. And if you can add just a few extra deals or accounts or however you need to be paid, this is totally worth it. And I'm going to tell you, anywhere from free to just nine, ten bucks a month, you can do University Persuasion. Go there. Check it out. You will not regret it. So true. In fact, it's on special right now. You can get take advantages of the prices for life. And we've added a platinum package to where if you want personal coaching, some one-on-one with us to walk you through your presentations and other things you're working on, there's also the platinum package where you get a lot more hand-holding. 
There you go. So, Kurt, we mentioned early in the show what we were going to be talking about today. We were going to talk about the itch, and you could probably dub in some ominous music here, right? (laughs) It's all about the itch. What does that mean? Yeah, so what does it mean? (laughs) We'll be illustrated with a few stories, because this happens to a lot of people that you're you're talking to someone, they're excited about your product or service, they're going to do it, and you call back a week later and they've bought something else. They've bought something inferior. They bought the competitor's product. You created the itch, you created the hunger, and all of a sudden they've gone with somebody else. And this happened to me. I've done this too to where I was watching this presentation about nutritionals and how you got to have this and the antioxidants. I'm like, oh man, I got to eat this. I'm going to die if I don't. And they had all these nice pills and things. It was like $200 for these pills. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And so I went to Costco and I spent five bucks on a big thing of a thousand antioxidants, which I found out later the quality wasn't there and they didn't do any good, but they created the itch and I let somebody else scratch it. Mm. Or I, when I moved to Pittsburgh for the first time, oh, they could steal your car. You know, I had a new car. What if someone steals it? You know, you need this big alarm system. This is what the car dealer was selling me on. Got to have an alarm system and this and that. I'm like, uh. So I went, and do you remember the club? I, th- I think they're still out there, the club you put on your Oh, yeah, room. yeah, those are great. <laughs> so instead of putting this $1,000 alarm system in, I went and got the $50 club. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a month later, the car was stolen, and the police officer told me, there's only a few keys to these things. But <laughs> <laughs> They just they had the key to it. They unlocked it, set it in the back seat, stole everything else. But the car dealership created that itch as far as you need an alarm system. And I went out and found the cheapest possible way to solve that itch. That's what we're talking about as far as the itch is concerned. So you're softening up your prospect for somebody else to take advantage exactly. of. Exactly. You got yeah. them excited. They want to do it. You've built the distance. You've built the pain. They're thinking about it. And all of a sudden, boom. We see this in home-based business all the time. Oh, yeah, I should work at home. Oh, the economy. My job's not secure. Well, yours is $600 a month you come back later and oh i found one for ten dollars a month you're like really (laughs) you can't compare but now they have a home-based business they're feeling good about even though it'll never work for them because they've joined the wrong one but you created the itch and someone else scratched it for them when i was in park city over the weekend there was a best buy there and my wife and i are in the market for a new tv we're doing a little bit of a remodel at the house right now so i said hey let's go over to amazon's showroom and look at tvs and see what we want to get (laughs) She's like, what? Amazon's showroom? I'm like, yeah, it's Am- everybody. They call Best Buy Amazon's showroom because that's where you go look <laughs> at what you want and then you order it for cheaper on Amazon, right? And that's uh, the itch. Best Buy has got a big itch to deal with. So we all do. We all do. We don't want to be in that situation where we do all the work. This happened to me the other day and some other some other guy harvested what I had worked so hard to create. So what do we do about this? I mean, people are always going to go try to look for a cheaper price or are they not? They are. And part of that is a persuader. You need to realize that deep down, everyone believes you get what you pay for. So you can kind of build that into your presentation. And you, and you mentioned Best Buy. A lot of these companies that are offering TVs and computers, they know people are shopping around. They don't, people don't want to shop around. They always think they're going to deal someplace else. And so what they do to solve that is say, look, here's the special. This is what we're offering on the TVs. You can go ahead and get it today. Oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm looking. I'm going to go over here and look. He says, well, you're welcome to do that. But let me tell you that we will triple the difference for if you find a TV cheaper anywhere else and do that for 60 days. And so they've taken that away like, oh, well, then I'm done looking. If I do find it, of course, they never ever look, but they've taken that away. It's a great way to solve the itch. I saw a fantastic one. And th- this is impromptu, Kurt. I'm going to have you do this. Can you cue the ninja? Oh, ninja, go. <laughs> so I thought this was pretty effective. There's some commercials going around on this, that Walmart, you can download an app 
to your phone. And when you're checking out at Walmart, you just you check in with that app. I guess it scans your receipt or something. And for the next 30 days or whatever, Walmart automatically scans all the competitors in the area for the same products that you bought. And if somebody advertises something for cheaper, they credit that difference onto your e-gift card with Walmart and you just rack up dollars that you can go spend there later. So they've just got out in front of it and said, we are going to be the cheapest no matter what. And if we're not, you don't even have to worry about it anymore because we're going to just start shoveling these gift cards at you and you don't even have to think about it. That's the best way to make it as easy as possible. And that's a great way when you create that itch. If they think they can find it someplace else or a better service plan or something else, you have to take that away. You have to come across as the expert. There's no reason for them to go someplace else. Maybe that guarantee like Walmart. I and mean, when we guarantee triple your money back if you find it cheaper, if this happens, that's part of it. Maybe offer some type of reward. When you get it here, we're going to triple this. We're going to triple your minutes. We're going to give you this. You get a $50 gift card. Whatever it is, something a little different to distinguish yourself because fighting on price is, is a hard thing to do in the world of persuasion. So you kind of have to differentiate yourself and let people know, you know, you get what you pay for. There is a difference. This is what's happening. And that's the one thing I'll add too, is if you can inoculate them to let them know, well, yeah, you probably will find it cheaper. But let me tell you, the brand that you'll find that's cheaper than this has a track record with maybe saying the warranty doesn't last as long or breaks down sooner, whatever it is, let them know what the difference is and then give some type of unbeatable, no-brainer guarantee to where, oh, I might as well do it now. Why waste more time? This is the best I'm going to do. They have the warranty. They have the guarantee. Because the worst thing you can do as a persuader is create that itch all over the place and have somebody else scratch it and get the commission because you're not going to last very long. You're right because they do think that price is the only thing that matters. But if you dig down, if you get them talking about the product, it's, it quickly comes out that there are other issues, right? And that happened to me the other day when I, I was bidding on buying a property, guys, and I bid and it, I was way low, right? And the guy says, well, I've already got another offer for X amount of dollars. And I said, oh, well, why don't you take it? Right. Because most of the time persuaders will say, oh, well, I maybe I can do better or they start playing the price game. I said to him, well, why don't you take it? And what happened? Well, he starts telling me everything that's wrong with it. Right. That there are all these strings attached that are not price related, but they're problems and they're deal killers. And I said to him, so you're telling me that if a offer came in below that, that didn't have all those strings attached, you wouldn't take it? He said, no, I would take it. If it didn't have all those <laughs> strings attached, I mean, and then because when you just when you go into that ring and decide you're going to fight on price, it's hard to win. You got to oh, get out man. of the ring. And it's just not worth it. You have to build a value. You bring up a great point, And this is valid. So persuaders out here, this is so important that people lie to you. <laughs> well, yeah. that knee jerk reaction. Well, I saw it online for 50 percent lower than that or down the street. I saw this or somebody else offered. This guy had a different offer, but he had all those strings attached, and he eventually told you the truth, and you have to call him on it sometimes. Say, really? 50% off? Where was that? Let me look it up here on my iPad. Oh, oh, I'm not seeing that. Hey, let me call them down there. I've seen that before with computer salespeople where they, they're going to match prices. Well, I saw it cheaper. Down. Oh, let's call them and see. And you kind of put them on the spot, and they're like, uh. <laughs> now, you got to be careful how you do this. You don't want to back people into the corner too much, but you have to realize they're always saying, well, it's cheaper down here. They're doing this and, and get that information and tactfully look it up and try to find it. And it goes a long ways because that knee-jerk reaction a lot of times can really back you in the corner and you start self-negotiating with yourself. We start dropping the price when you didn't need to. 
Yeah. And like you say, they lie to you. And sometimes that's what they're doing. And other times they just don't know, mm-hmm. right? That I used to sell insurance. It was horrible. I didn't do it for very long. <laughs> but that's something that we ran across all the time. Well, I got a quote from XYZ company for this. And you think about all the complicated variables and all the little asterisks that go into an insurance policy, right? The, the chances are that's not an apples to apples comparison. But does the prospect think that it is? Yeah. And getting them to talk about it and say, well, why don't you take it? And calling their bluff, whether they're lying to you or they're just not educated about what they're really buying, it gets it all out on the table. And the issue is no longer just about price at that point. Now you've got a chance. Especially if they call you and they say, well, I found it cheaper over there. You might say, oh, yeah, you should take that. I've been in the industry for 20 years. I've never seen it that expensive. You need to run, call them right now and take that because you'll never see that deal again. And most of the time, you'll see the backpedaling. Oh, well, yeah, I wanted to get a different option, a different opinion, a different quote. Let's talk about Let's do this. Then, you know, it's just one of those knee-jerk reactions is one of the things. And sometimes you just don't know. They see a price. They really don't know what things are worth. And they're just out there fishing. And you have to make sure that you do create the itch. That's a good thing. Get them hungry. Get them excited for your product or service. But you have to make sure that you have the easiest way for them to solve that itch. And in their mind, the best way, the most relevant way. And then it will really help you out in the world of persuasion. Everybody listening, have some confidence in you and your product. If you have confidence in your product, you know what a reasonable offer is. You know what a reasonable price is and what isn't. Like what Kurt said, if they're calling you and telling you they already got an offer at some other place for this amount... I smell bull, okay? <laughs> Why are they calling you then, and if what that's real? what does that real? smell like? <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> Not good. You, you don't have to answer that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah, exactly. That's what you do. You say, hey, look, I've been in the business a long time. That sounds like a pretty good offer. Why, why haven't you taken it? Because when you ask, why haven't you taken it? Now they've got to think. And they actually have to have a constructive conversation with you instead of an auction, right? I mean, that's what prospects want it to be an auction where people bid and it's just about price and they beat up the seller. Oh, that poor seller took a haircut. But that's not what you're, you don't want to be commoditized. You're just going to get killed every time if you do it that way. I had a guy the other day, Kurt, I made him an offer on his property. Everything was fine. Everybody was happy. We shook hands. We signed all the agreements. It was binding. We're good to go goes to church over the weekend, and at church, as you know, everybody is a real estate and legal expert, okay? (laughs) Or whatever issue happens to be on the table, everybody's an expert. So this guy is having massive second thoughts come Monday morning, and he calls me, I can't do this, I gotta have at least this amount for the property, and it was uh, 20, 25,000 more than what I was doing. And I was was mad, but I I didn't show it, but uh, blood pressure was a little up. And I I told him, so you wanna tear up the contract? And he said, well, no, don't do that just yet. Let me do some checking. And I said, well, let me check with the attorney, right? Because I, I wanted to know what my options were. But I didn't want to be a jerk. And then I thought better of it. 20 minutes later, all those uh, endorphins and chemicals had washed out of my brain, and I was thinking clearly. And I called him, and I said, hey, tell you what. Give me first right of refusal for two weeks. You go, go get somebody. Go get them. If you can get that, I think you should. I just want to know that it's really an escrow, it's a real offer, and the money's real, really there. And we, of course, both felt a lot better when we agreed on that, because I knew nobody was going to give him that. But did he know that? He wasn't lying. 
he just thought that he could get a bunch more money. And in people, that's what they want. Somebody tells them what they want to hear. They're going to go down that road. But sure enough, a week later, he called me and says, hey, you know what? You're right. These people are all full of it. <laughs> so we we waived that provision and I got the deal. And it was much better because I wasn't dealing with a seller who was resentful and mad and thinking they're getting ripped off. Instead, they knew, hey, look, I'm getting a pretty good deal here. And that's the best way to handle that because if you have that remorse, that dissonance, you're going to going to be a miserable person to work with, and you don't always want to do that. That is correct. That is correct. So anything else you want to add about the itch? That's the main thing is create the itch. It's a good thing, but if they're solving it someplace else or buying other people's products, they're going someplace else or buying on the internet, you've got to back up and think, okay, first of all, how can I inoculate them so they know that I'm the best? How can you come across as the expert to know that you will provide the best? Some type of guarantee, some type of warranty, some type of extra reward. Again, don't fight on price. There's no reason to do that. You have enough with your product or service that you can be the best and make sure that you not only create the itch, but you provide the product or solution to scratch that itch. Sounds good. Go ahead and cue up the Homer. Homer, go! Go, go, go! So this one's on you, rough experience at the unnamed suit store this morning. Yeah, so it's time for a suit, and I went to the suit store thinking, I'll go in the morning because I'm not one for waiting in lines, and there were people all over the place, and they only had two, I don't know what they called them, fashion consultants or some verbally packaged thing, and so you come in, and this young lady greets you, and they turf you off to one of these people, and I noticed this one person that she went, and she was really aggressive to her he was mad that he didn't get somebody there was his turn to get the other person and was kind of verbally abusing her getting upset getting tense and then of course when the person came up to him there was the fake smile and you know we've always felt that way when someone treats a receptionist the wrong way or anybody the wrong way gets upset i'm done with that person so it was my turn she says we'll take you here says well i prefer to go with this person and i didn't want to do business with him just because of his aggressiveness, the way he treated her, just wasn't right. And that when that fake smile came on and he pretended to be nice to the other person, it just didn't sit right with me. So the blunder is you've got to treat everyone the right way. You've got to control your emotions. When people see you get angry or upset or treat someone the wrong way, they probably won't want to do business with you or talk to you because these are straight commission people. And, uh, you know, a couple suits is worth a lot of money to them, but I didn't want to do business and they sent me to the other person who... Handled the deal, got the commission, and did a very, very good job. There you go. I, I think it was Brian Tracy that said you can tell a lot about somebody by how they treat the busboys of the world. Exactly. The waiters, the busboys, the, the bellboys. Yeah. And that goes a long way. And we've done that before in our business to where the way they treat the receptionist tells you so much about a person when they're interviewing for a job or want your business. That is a big indicator for me. Yeah, yeah. It, not just because it's the decent thing to do, but you know what, guys? A lot of times the receptionist and the people behind the scenes pull a lot more strings than you think they do. Just be nice to them. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, don't Sam, ever mistreat somebody that's handling your food. You got to be stupid. <laughs> that true. And a lot of times we've done it before, too. You ask the receptionist, who did you, what did you think? Who did you like better? Who would you go with? And they do carry a lot more weight than you think. Yeah, exactly. And and you if you get the job, you're going to be dealing with that person a lot anyways. And so Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that guy at the suit store lost out on the commission and uh, yeah, it just it just says a lot about him when they when they know, "Hey, by these standards, I have power over you." And if they just instantly start to abuse it and treat you poorly, oh, what what an indictment on their character. 
Yeah, and that's not the person I want to help me, and it wasn't fair how they treated the person, and they lost my business. There you go. What a homer. What a blunder. <laughs> there you go. What a homer. Yeah, jeez. Dull. <laughs> <laughs> homer does it better than I do. Oh! <laughs> that was good. There so go. <laughs> anything else you want to add today, Kurt, before we hang it up? Just let's reiterate it again. Don't fight on price. Build the value. Make sure that you're offering everything they need because you don't need any persuasion skills to fight on price. Anybody can do that. But you have a product or service where you don't need to fight on price, build a value, and change the world. You might be thinking that I've been told that before, don't fight on price. That's why we say it, because we all go back into that rut. No matter how much we hear about it, we can find ourselves, if we're not staying fresh and we're not listening to, to podcasts or reading books or going to workshops, you fall into those things that everybody else is in, and oh, before you know it, you're fighting on price. It yeah. is. It's kind of a default setting for a lot of people. Oh, they, After a while, they're selling things, they're not making any money, but they sold something. They're like, well, it's no good to sell something if you haven't made any money. Yeah, yeah. My dad, he's he's a printing broker. He's been in the business a long time, and He's getting close to retiring and, you know, people get there and I think you could say, and most people argue, they kind of get a little grumpy and surly. (laughs) (laughs) Some guys, the older they get, they just don't want to put up with any BS. And when he gets somebody calling him saying, hey, can you tell me what you would bid on this? He basically says no (laughs) (laughs) because he just doesn't want to play that game. It's like, yeah, you're going to be high maintenance. You're not going to be worth it. I don't want to do business with you. Yeah, no, I don't do that. I don't do – yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, everybody. Maximize your influence at gmail.com. We are on iTunes. You go ahead and subscribe to the show. We're on Stitcher Radio as well. And as always, you can check us out at maximizeyourinfluence.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and we'll catch you next week on another episode. See you next week. 